Thanks for listening to another message from Life Christian Church. We hope it challenges and encourages you and helps you to grow in your faith. Don't forget, download our app to stay up to date with what's going on at Life. Share your prayer requests or pray for others. Read the Bible online and much, much more. Simply search for Life Christian Church in your app store. Well, today, uh, as we continue in our series, Living with a Question Mark, uh, I want to look at the, uh, the topic uh, of inadequacy. What do we do with inadequacy? Because if I was to ask you to raise your hand, who at any point in their life has ever felt inadequate? Every hand, well, should go up, but every hand would go up. Inadequacy, it's not a, it's not a nice word and it's not a nice thing to experience. Um, inadequacy uh, has some, um, some friends that kind of walk very closely along with it. Uh, things like uh, humiliation, fear, loneliness... Uh, embarrassment, even anger. Uh, and inadequacy and all of inadequacy's friends can be at times in life incredibly debilitating. There are very, very real consequences when we go through seasons of inadequacy. And, and there's no question at times uh, we can feel very inadequate to, to meet the demands of life. We can feel incredibly inadequate to meet the demands of our families. Sometimes we go through feelings of inadequacy in regards to the demands and responsibilities and expectations of the jobs that we work at, um, meeting the requirements or the demands of our employers. Certainly many of us go through times where we feel incredibly inadequate as parents to be raising children, particularly in times of great disruption globally. We can feel inadequate at times just in waking up on a Monday morning and knowing there's a whole other week ahead of us, inadequate just to meet the everyday demands uh, of what comes. Sometimes, uh, particularly the older you get, the more difficult it is uh, to learn new skills. And if you've had a shift in career or whatever, uh, it can be really, really overwhelming at times uh, to try and learn new skills and, and adapt uh, to new responsibilities. Uh, that can make us feel really inadequate. Uh, some of us uh, face the very real challenges and that sense of inadequacy when it comes to aging parents or uh, those who are, who are struggling with um, illness. Sometimes we can feel really inadequate when it comes to the challenges that we may face in relationships, inadequate to meet the challenges of a marriage that is going through a rough patch or whatever it might be. For some people, it's feeling inadequate to gain any sense of victory over, you know, uh, long-lasting habits or addictions. And the list can go on and on and on. There will always be something in life that makes us feel inadequate. But friends, the reality is this. To feel inadequate at times is simply to be human. And I'll say it again. To feel inadequate is simply to be human. Very few people wake up every day feeling totally adequate, totally capable, totally secure to meet the challenges of what every day brings. And that's because none of us can actually escape the humanness of feeling inadequate. 
So what does it mean to be inadequate? Well, let's first of all define it positively uh, by understanding what it is to be adequate. To be adequate means you have sufficient ability and resources to meet a certain requirement. It means you're capable. It means you have what it takes to accomplish any given task or to take on any given challenge. That's what it is to be adequate. So to be inadequate would be the opposite of that, which is incapable and without the necessary abilities or skills to complete the task. To be insufficient in who you are and limited in what you can do. And actually, that's why most of us try to disguise our inadequacies. It's hard to admit to ourselves. It's hard to admit to our peers, to others, that we go through those periods of feeling weak and incapable. Instead, we put on a facade. We like to pretend that we've got it all together. We act as if we are totally capable of handling anything that comes our way, the most challenging situations in life. And in fact, the reality is, not all the time, but we all go through seasons where we're really not capable. I think there's actually a simple reason for all of that. And I think when you dig into it, it's simply because it is the way that God has wired us. That takes a lot of pressure off. If in a moment of inadequacy you go, I'm not going to beat myself up for feeling this way, but I recognise this is the way that I am wired. In fact, this is how God has wired me. And there's a reason for that. So what do we do when we face those challenges? What do we do when we feel we're not adequate for a task? Well, I want to look at someone in the Bible who struggled hugely uh, with a sense of inadequacy. And the person might take you by surprise a little bit, but it's the Apostle Paul. And the Apostle Paul, who is an absolute firebrand, he is this... this uh, pioneering church planter. He is a radical type A personality. Uh, and, and here is Paul, this, this, uh, this champion, but th this ex-zealot, I mean, this guy had a fire in his belly, but he rarely, rarely felt capable, felt adequate for the task that God had set before him. He struggled with a sense of inadequacy to do what God had called him to do. 2 Corinthians 2 and 15, For we are to God the aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. To the one we are the smell of death, to the other the fragrance of life. And who is equal to such a task? Other translations say, who is adequate for such a task? And, and let me say, I, I can really identify with the words of the Apostle Paul. I, I struggle every day with what God has called me to do. Kerry and I planted this church over 17 years ago. There's not a day up to the present moment that goes by where I think, God, I am adequate to meet the needs of these people. I always go, God, I'm not adequate to meet the needs of these people. And I'm not actually saying that's a bad thing. You know, there's a great expression that goes, um, humility is not denying your strengths, it's acknowledging your weaknesses. There's great truth in that. And there's rarely a day goes by where I wake up feeling adequate to meet the needs of the people that God has called me to lead. 
And just like Paul, I think, well, who is actually adequate for such a task? And friends, the truth is, in and of ourselves, no one, not you, not me, not even the Apostle Paul. And here is Paul, one of the greatest heroes of the faith, struggling with his own sense of inadequacy. So what did he do with it? How did he overcome his sense of inadequacy? Well, he answers that question in uh, 2 Corinthians 3 and 4. Such confidence we have through Christ toward God. Not that we are adequate in ourselves to consider anything as coming from ourselves. But listen to this, our adequacy is from God, who also made us adequate as servants of a new covenant. Not of the letter, but of the spirit, for the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. Don't miss those words. Our adequacy is from God. Friends, without him, without his power, our inadequacy will cripple us. Our our adequacy will cause us to withdraw. Our adequacy will cause us to resign. Our adequacy will cause us just to back off and not to accomplish what it is that God has set before us. Because in and of ourselves, we know that we are at times emotionally weak. We are spiritually weak. We are intellectually weak in and of ourselves. And certainly in and of ourselves, we are incapable of glorifying God, which is what we are called to do and who we are called to be as God's people, people who bring glory to his name. We can't do what God has called us to do in our own strength. And if we are going to be the hands and the feet and the voice and the presence of God in our sphere of influence, within our family, within our neighbourhood, within our workplace, within our community, it's only going to happen as God equips us. It's going to only happen as God empowers us and enables us. And that is why God allows those feelings of inadequacy. Because inadequacy forces us to totally and fully rely upon God for His ability, for His strength, for His wisdom, for His enabling. So the Apostle Paul rightly felt inadequate. What about the disciples? Because the disciples actually had a privilege that the Apostle Paul didn't, and that was that they spent three years with him. Three years hanging out with Jesus. Uh, three years of being Jesus offsiders. Three years of, of hearing every word Jesus spoke and seeing every miracle Jesus performed. And there's no question, as Jesus called these young men to be his disciples, No question at that point for these young guys, there would have been a sense of inadequacy as Jesus called them. But the thing is, after three years of hanging around with Jesus, that sense of inadequacy only would have intensified. They would have think, wow. They would have just been in awe of who Jesus was and in awe of what Jesus did. And in fact, we see that reflected at the cross because there was not one disciple aside from John who was there at Jesus' crucifixion. But a wonderful thing happened because 
after the resurrection, Jesus appears once more to the disciples and he commissions them. We call it the Great Commission. But basically he gave them a task and that task was to make disciples of all men, to go into every nation and make disciples. Matthew 28 and 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So there's the Great Commission. This is the risen Jesus commissioning his disciples to go into all the world. But if we back up two verses, there's perhaps a lesser known encounter in Matthew 28 and 16. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. There's a bit of insight right there. The, the doubt, the sense of inadequacy from the disciples, the, the doubt. How could these simple, unsophisticated, largely uneducated men fulfill a mission that, humanly speaking, is absolutely impossible? And the context for this, this is among the last recorded words of Jesus. He's giving him this great commission. He's saying, guys, this is what I want you to do. Now, the bad news is I'm out of here. The last recorded words of Jesus before he ascends back to the Father. I don't know about you, but that would be very overwhelming. Here's what I want you to do. Go and make disciples of all nations, but I'm gone. And think of the contrast between Jesus and his disciples. On one hand, you have these young Trembling, insecure, doubting disciples. On the other hand, you have the miracle-working Son of God. Couldn't be a greater contrast. They were human. They were limited. They were weak. They were feeble. They were frail. They were prone to failure, no question. And here is Jesus, the promised Messiah, fully man but fully God. This is Jesus, the Son of God. Yes, the disciples were incredibly devoted. Yes, the disciples were probably well-intentioned. They didn't lack necessarily zeal or a measure of commitment. It's just that they were human. And in their humanity, they would have felt totally inadequate for what Jesus was calling them to do. But then the good news, as you follow the story through, all of that was about to change. And friends, you and I are just like the disciples. There is no question for these young men that there were incredible uncertainties among them. Some of them, maybe those uncertainties were not as accentuated for some as they were for others. Some, maybe just a vague sense of uncertainty. Others, massive doubts. They would have been filled with questions. But God's plan and God's purpose as it unfolded not only answered the questions, 
but it also empowered them to be what, they, what God was calling them to be and to do what God was calling them to do. Because Jesus had given them this command to go and make disciples of all nations. But how could that possibly happen? How could they possibly accomplish what was expected of them, especially in view of the fact that he was about to ascend to the Father and would be gone? They were not equipped to perform the miracles they saw Jesus doing. And even though Jesus had earlier promised in the upper room, he said, I will not leave you as orphans. He'd promised not to leave them. Even though Jesus had promised that he would give them his authority, he, he, he didn't just need a promise. He didn't just need words. They actually needed a transfer of power. Jesus, if you are calling us to do your work and to continue your work, we are going to need your power. We're going to need the power of Jesus within us. Jesus knew that. And interestingly, uh, the writer of uh, the book of Acts, Luke, picks up the story where the Gospels leave off. This is following the resurrection before Jesus ascends into heaven. The disciples had just received their commission. In Acts 1 and 4, on one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So there's the promise of power, but Jesus had actually uh, mentioned it earlier in that upper room in, in Jerusalem on the night that he was betrayed. He talked about this transfer of power, this transfer of authority, a deposit of God's power within them, which would overcome their fears, overcome their weaknesses, overcome their insecurities, overcome their inadequacies. The very thing that would enable them to carry out this great commission that Jesus would give to them. In John 14 and 15, this is the words of Jesus in the upper room, sharing that last meal with his disciples. If you love me, you will obey what I command and I will ask the Father and he will give you another counsellor to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. There it is right there. And in giving the great commission, Jesus was asking the impossible of the disciples. But friends, that was the whole point. Because they needed his power to accomplish his command. They needed to be transformed. And friends, so do we. And this is the good news. Because friends, this is the very essence of living the Christian life. Christ has given to us his power. Can I hear an amen this morning? That through the infilling of His Holy Spirit, His Holy Spirit taking up residence in your life. The Holy Spirit indwells us at that moment when we turn to God in faith and trust Christ for our salvation. That's a wonderful gift that God gives to all who calls upon His name. You don't need to dance about it or shout about it or whatever. This is something that God promises as we turn to him in faith. The Holy Spirit now literally resides in you. But we can quench the Holy Spirit. You know, we can resist the Holy Spirit, the Bible says. 
But the more you surrender of your life to him, the more his power will flow through you. He is always there, always ready to enable us and to empower us. So the command Jesus gave was for the disciples to wait in Jerusalem for the Holy Spirit's power to descend upon them. And this is cool because this is exactly the same power that they saw at work in Jesus' life. And as we know, it would be a power strong enough to transform these weak, inadequate, insecure, trembling, doubting young men into the leaders of a movement that gained the reputation of turning their world upside down. That's the influence. The only difference was what happens next. Because just as Jesus promised, it happened. And the power came down. And Acts chapter 2 records the amazing event when the Holy Spirit came as promised, indwelt them personally. And they were completely transformed and the church was born. Were the disciples still imperfect men? Absolutely yes. But deep within their being came an empowering enablement that resulted in the gospel exploding and the church coming into being. And they received power in place of inadequacy. And friends, can I say, in the face of inadequacy, you and I, first of all, need to be prepared to be honest before God. Honest about our need, honest about our fear, honest about whatever it is that's causing us to feel inadequate. And lean into Jesus, knowing that he alone has the power we need to overcome whatever that weakness might be. We've got to remind ourselves that the work of the cross is not just about the penalty of our sin being paid. But the work of the cross is about our lives being restored to the point where we reflect something of the life of Jesus. And that's the Holy Spirit's work. Restoring to the human condition everything that sin and the fall has robbed us of. Which means Jesus died for your sins, but he also died for your inadequacies. So what do we do when inadequacy threatens to overwhelm us? Well, as I've just said, first of all, we admit it. You've got to invite God into your areas of doubt and weakness and inadequacy. That's the first step to receiving God's power. Remember I said humility is not denying your weakness, uh, not denying your strengths. It's acknowledging your weaknesses. And I've never known anybody who can conquer a weakness or a sense of inadequacy without, first of all, bringing that need to God. And that doesn't just apply to inadequacy. It, imply, it applies to whatever our struggle might be. Because if we are too proud or too self-righteous, to admit any kind of need or weakness before God, we're always going to remain powerless to deal with what it is, whatever it is that we are actually denying within ourselves. It's that simple. 
the Apostle Paul was very much aware that the key to God's power was first of all acknowledging his own weakness. 1 Corinthians 2 and 1, When I came to you, brothers, I did not come with eloquence or superior wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Listen to this. I came to you in weakness and fear and with much trembling. My message, my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. How good is that? He unpacks it further, 2 Corinthians 4 and 7. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. 1 Corinthians 12 gives us some insight into Paul's personal story as he shares. He says, I was given the gift of a handicap to keep me in constant touch with my limitations. Satan's angel did his best to get me down. What he did, in fact, was push me to my knees. No danger then of walking around high and mighty. At first, I did not think of it as a gift and begged God to remove it three times. I did that and then he told me, my grace is enough. It's all you need. My strength comes into its own in your weakness. Once I heard that, I was glad to let it happen. I quit focusing on the handicap and began appreciating the gift. It was a case of Christ's strength moving in on my weakness. Now I take my limitations in stride and with good cheer. These limitations that cut me down to side down to size, abuse, accidents, opposition, bad breaks. I just let Christ take over. So the weaker I get, the stronger I become. What a profound insight. What a profound passage of Scripture. Friends, here's the bottom line as I invite the team back. I don't care how long you've been a Christian. I don't care how much of the Bible you've memorized. I don't care how much you give to missions or whatever it might be. Every ounce of your adequacy comes from God, not from yourself. And we need to remind ourselves of that and never forget it. Because the moment that I forget it, I tell you, that's the moment I burn out and give up. So first of all, we need to be honest with ourselves, honest before God that we actually struggle with this stuff. Just be real. And then secondly, we need to claim Jesus' power. What did Paul write? It was a case of Christ's strength moving in on my weakness. Now I take limitations in stride and with good cheer. These limitations that cut me down to size, abuse, accidents, opposition, bad breaks. I just let Christ take over. And so the weaker I get, the stronger I become. Friends, only Jesus can transform those areas of weakness into strength. Only Jesus can transform those those places in, of inadequacy into confidence. And I tell you, He wants to begin to do that in each one of us right now. And maybe for some of us, it's time this morning to say, I'm going to let go of those, those fears of inadequacy. Those, the, the, the self-doubt that cripples me, it's time to let it go. Maybe it's time to say, I'm I'm tired of struggling and feeling like I can't keep up. 
Friends, it is not a sign of sin to confess or to feel inadequacy. In fact, that place of being real about it is exactly where Jesus wants you to be. He will always meet you at your lowest point because that's where He can do His best work. As the Apostle Paul says, it's in my weaknesses that He does His best work. God's power is rarely, if ever, displayed in super uh, self-assertive, self-centered people. He always has and always will use weak, trembling, inadequate, ill-equipped people, people just like you and me. Can I hear an amen? And friends, maybe if you've retreated into the background a little bit, maybe if you are overwhelmed by feelings of inadequacy, you got to not beat yourself up so much and start realising you're exactly where God wants you to be so that He can do a new work, so that He can demonstrate His power in and through you. It is time to come humbly before Him and just let it go to release your grip, to pour out your heart because you have a wonderful Saviour who is waiting and willing to demonstrate His power in you. So don't waste another minute.